0: Welcome to the Retire Well podcast, the show that focuses on showing you how to get the most out of your retirement. Each week, we're gonna dive into topics that affect people just like you. Ways to save money on your healthcare costs, smart income planning strategies, estate planning tools, and a whole lot more. We're gonna get straight to the point with short episodes of 20 minutes or less on the information that you need to know to be able to retire well. I'm your host and retirement specialist, Kelly Racicott, thanks for tuning in to this week's show. Now let's get started. Hey everyone and welcome back to the show. Before we get started on today's topic, I just wanted to take a quick minute and give a big thank you to our listeners. I have to say I am completely humbled and blown away by all of the responses and all of your kind words. You know, I wasn't really sure what to expect whenever I decided to do a podcast, but just in um, well, it's been a couple of weeks since the launch. Um, I've received so many comments and emails, you know, reaching out just to say, um, that they appreciate the content and that they've learned something. And, um, and that's really what this is all about. So, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And if it's your first time tuning in today, I am so glad you found us. But so this week we are going to spend some time talking about social security and, you know, there's no one right time to file regardless of what you know you may hear out there in the world there's no one right time to, time to file but there is a right time for you to file all right and when you file is going to make a huge difference not just in your monthly income but your lifetime income and your overall wealth so filing is not as simple as just going down to your local social security office and signing up for benefits there are a lot of factors that you should be considering and these are like your life expectancy your spouse's life expectancy other assets and resources that you have do you plan to work at all during your retirement and your current and future tax situation so we're going to talk about all of those things. And your social security benefit is going to be the base foundation of your retirement. And every dollar that you get from social security, well, that's a dollar that you don't have to take from the rest of your assets. And it's the one asset that already has inflation protection built into it. So your social security benefit is a super valuable part of your retirement. But understand that it is only one piece of your overall income strategy. And all of those pieces have to work together to give you the most optimal outcome. So when it comes to Social Security, there are primarily four big dangers that you really want to aim to avoid. And these are the four big ones that are going to have the biggest impact lasting impact, a negative impact if you don't account for them, or a positive impact if you do. And these are taking a pay cut, leaving your spouse in a financial hardship, allowing the income gap to become a cliff, and your income taxes. Okay, so we're going to kind of break these apart one at a time and talk about, you know, what that means and how you can avoid them. So danger number 1 is taking too big of a pay cut. Social security is typically going to replace about 40% of your working income. And chances are taking a 60% decrease in your monthly income is going to force you to live a whole lot more frugally than you'd probably like to. So in order to get the most out of your benefit, it helps to understand how your benefits collected or calculated. Um, you've been paying into the system all your working life. So you might as well get the most out of it, right? So you qualify for social security benefits while you're working. And very, very simply, social security is a very complex, complicated, convoluted formula. But to break it down to its simplest parts, while you're working, you earn one credit per quarter, and you get four, qu- four credits per year. Okay, and you only need forty credits to receive your own retirement benefit. And that's only ten years, you know. So if you've worked ten years, you can collect on your own record, but not everyone gets the same amount. So the higher the income, the more you're generally going to get. And the Social Security system, it takes into account your highest earning 35 years. So if you want to increase your monthly benefit, a good way to do that is to work an extra year or two. Because usually just before your retirement, those are your highest earning years. So working an extra year or two in these higher earning years can actually erase the counted earnings from earlier in your life when you weren't making nearly as much money. All right, so when it comes to Understanding what your benefit is, there are two things that you need to understand. And the first one is you need to know what your full retirement age is. And I think we talked about this before. You can go to ssa.gov, log in, create your own account. If you have not done this already, I highly encourage you to do so. Create your account. I'll actually put a link to that down in the show notes today. um, So you can go ahead and do that. But you want to find out what your full retirement age is, and that is based on your birthday. Once you know what your full retirement age is, then you can determine what your primary insurance amount is or your PIA. This is the number that you would get at your full retirement age. In other words, this is 100% of your benefit. Okay. So now understand retirement age is not 65 anymore. I know we all have that age 65 kind of. In our heads for some reason is I'm going to retire at 65 because that's what it used to be. It hasn't been that for quite some time. But now your full retirement age is based on your birth date. So if you were born in 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. If you were born between 1955 and 1959, your full retirement age is 66 and so many months. So for example, if you're Turning 65 this year, you were born in 58, your full retirement age is 66 plus eight months. And you need to know this because when you file matters, and it's going to have a drastic impact on your future income. All right, so you probably know that you're eligible to collect your benefit as early as age 62. But what you need to understand is that your monthly amount is going to be reduced any time you collect prior to, to your full retirement age. And that reduction in most cases is gonna stick with you for life. So, and that can be pretty significant. If your full retirement age is 67 and you collect at 65, remember 67's your full retirement age, that's when you get 100% of your benefit. So if you collect at 65, you're only gonna receive of your full benefit. And if you collect at 62, you're only going to receive about 70% of your benefit. That's a pretty big pay cut. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that you can also do the opposite. You can delay until age 70 and you'll get a guaranteed bump up of 8% simple interest. And a lot of people know that you can defer that to age 70, but a lot of people don't know that you're gonna get that bump up as well. So once you get that bump up, that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. So if you defer until age 68, if your full retirement age is 67, you defer to 68, you're going to get 108% of your benefit. And if you defer all the way until age 70, you're going to get 124% of your benefit. Now, again, I'm not saying that you should always defer to age 70, or you should definitely not collect at age 62. Again, there is no right time to file. Everyone's situation is unique. But that's also why Social Security gives you so many options to choose from. Okay, so really important to understand what is your full retirement age? What is your primary benefit amount? And then you can start to account for some of these other situations, right? Danger number two is leaving the surviving spouse in a tough financial situation should the higher earner pass away first. All right. So, spousal benefits can get really confusing. And we're going to see, you can, you can file in your ex spouse, and there's all kinds of weird rules and things like that. And today, we're not going to get too much into that. Today, we're going to focus on um, the differences between spousal benefits if you're married and survivor benefits if you're married and have lost a spouse. Okay. So these work a little bit differently and it's important to understand the language between these two. So spousal earnings are when both parties of a married couple are still alive. Okay. If one spouse out earns another spouse, the lower earning spouse is eligible to collect up to the higher earners primary insurance amount. And that doesn't affect the higher earner's benefit at all, okay? So that's really important to understand. That primary insurance amount, that's their full 100% benefit. Survivor benefits are based on the higher earner's actual benefit, not the primary insurance amount. So in other words, if the higher earning spouse decides to collect early and takes a reduction in their primary benefits, the the lower earning spouse is going to get at the time of the higher earner's death, what they were actually receiving, the reduced amount. And so why is this important? Because statistically, 54% of women over the age of 75 are widows. Only 20% of men over the age of 75 are widows. So once the higher earning spouse passes, the survivor spouse is going to get only one social security benefit. Yes, they're going to get the higher of the two, but they will lose the lower benefit. And that's going to create a significant loss in income from any way you look at it. So if that higher earning spouse delays at least until their full retirement age, it's likely going to put the surviving spouse in a much better financial situation for the remainder of their life okay danger number three is allowing the income gap to become a cliff and a couple of episodes the last couple of episodes we've talked about um, the income income gap and how to different ways to fill that and so we want to make you're you're almost always going to have a gap. That's really, really common. Most average Americans are going to have a gap. Social Security usually replaces just about 40% of your working wages, and the rest is up to you. So some experts say that you need to live on about 80% of your income in your retirement years. Obviously that's not true for everyone, um, but it's a decent rule of thumb for our general discussion here today. So if Social Security typically replaces about 40%, the first thing you wanna look at is, do you have other sources of income to help close that gap? Like maybe you get a pension or if you have any other sort of annuity payout. If you have any of those, well, that's great because your income gap is gonna be a whole lot smaller. But again, most people are going to have to fill that gap. So it becomes important to assess all of your assets and determining how to most efficiently fill that gap and which assets should be drawn upon and when to help you optimize your financial situation. And this includes filing your social security. And so one of the things that I help a lot of my clients do is I generate a report for them that shows what their optimal filing age is. And this report is based on any client's unique situation and it shows the long-term effect of drawing at various ages and what's going to be left over in the asset pool after a 30-year period and that's important you know sometimes if you can defer that social security a little bit and use some other resources it's going to preserve that income and make it because you're you're gonna have to take less from your asset pool later down the road because your social security is going to be higher Um, the other thing and to kind of go hand in hand is overpaying in taxes. So first of all, a lot of people are shocked to find out that their social security benefits might be taxed. Yep, it's true. Up to 85% of your benefit can be taxed or as little as zero. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's not about what you earn, it's about what you keep? Well, that's what I'm talking about here. And a little extra planning in this area can really help you keep a lot more of what you've earned over the years. And taxation of your Social Security is based on what the IRS calls provisional income. And this can get pretty complex. And I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this because we only have 20 minutes here. um, And I don't want to go too far over, but it is something that I do get pretty in depth with um, when I'm meeting with my clients. But for a couple of just quick examples, just as we're not talking a lot of money here, you know, it's just a single person that earns between twenty five dollars and $34,000 a year can have up to 50% of their benefits taxed. And if they earn over $34,000 a year, up to 85% of their benefits are taxable. A married couple earning just over $44,000 could have up to 85% of their social security taxed. Or they could have as little as zero. And again, it's just about planning. Now, on top of that, depending on where you live, 12 states also, state tax, tax their social security benefit. Thankfully, Pennsylvania is not one of them. So if you're here in the local Western Pennsylvania area or Pennsylvania area, you are you're not going to pay state income tax on your Social Security benefits, but you do have to pay the Fed. All right, so how does that factor in? You know, if you take less distributions from your tax-deferred or taxable assets, well, that means less taxation. And that sounds great, but how do you do that? Since most Americans today have the majority of their assets in these types of accounts, how how do you address that? And a good way to do that is by using a three bucket system. And you've heard probably a million times that it's so important to diversify your portfolio. But this strategy is not about the diversification of your actual assets and your allocation, but it's the diversification of your taxes, all right? So having three different buckets, one for your tax-deferred bucket, this is gonna be things like your 401Ks, your 403Bs, your IRAs, things like that. Your taxable assets, things that are taxable in that year, maybe you have CDs, um, non-qualified brokerage accounts, and then you have your tax-free bucket, is is the last bucket. And this could be a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. You could take some distributions maybe from your cash value life insurance and sometimes municipal bonds will fall into this category as well. So this diversification really allows you to strategically draw your income from sources that are tax efficient for whatever you're dealing with in any given tax year. Okay, so I'm also going to mention IRMA here. Um, IRMA is not technically a tax per se. They call it a surcharge, but it kind of feels like a tax. And IRMA, if you've never heard of it before, IRMA stands for Income Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. And it refers to the premiums that you pay for your Medicare, um, Medicare Parts B and D specifically. So if your income is over a certain amount, you're going to be assessed and IRMA surcharge. And this is based on specific income brackets, not necessarily typical tax brackets, but it's set up in brackets. So this year in 2023, you already know this if you're on Medicare, um, the standard premium is $164.90, but it could be as high as $560 per month. And that's just for your Part B premium. All right, so obviously that can have a massive impact um, on your health care costs as you're going through retirement especially if you're not prepared for that. So if you're currently not working with an if you're currently working with an advisor and they have not discussed irma with you you could be in for a very unfortunate surprise and this is one of the reasons why I always say you should consider working with someone who actually specializes in retirement and understands how, your income, and your Medicare, they sort of go hand in hand in in a couple of different areas, all right, for when you're deciding when to collect your social security. So some key takeaways here, one, know your full retirement age and what your primary insurance amount is. Two, if you're married, account for your spouse, your life expectancy, and theirs. Three, don't let the income gap turn into a cliff. Optimize. Look at all of the scenarios, decide where's going to be the best place to take income from, when and how. And fourth, um, your overall tax implications of doing so. And so three and four, they really do go, you know, hand in hand. um, And a proper plan is going to help you to to be the most efficient way that you can be there. All right, so those are the four big things. A couple other things before we wrap up here today that I wanna touch on just real fast because I get asked about them all the time. What about working in your retirement? A lot of people continue to work um, at least part-time once they retire for a lot of different reasons. And if you decide that you're going to work prior to your full retirement age, if you've collected your Social Security prior to your full retirement age, You can make in this year, this number changes every year, but this year in 2023, it's $21,240. If you make over that, for every $2 you earn, $1 is going to be withheld. So that's 50% of your earnings is going to, or your benefit is going to be withheld. All right. Um, If it's the year in which you turn your full retirement age, then it's $1 for every $3. Okay. So if you're at your full retirement age, there's no penalty for any income that you earn, so if your full retirement age is sixty six and five months and you're working, well, you've satisfied that and you can you can earn as much as you want all right. What a lot of people don't understand is that that withholding it does go back into the calculation for your full retirement age so so you do get that back. The problem is, is that you have to live long enough to earn that back over your life expectancy so Again, consider that if you plan to collect Social Security prior to your full retirement age, try to keep your income under $21,240. If you're going to earn higher than that, well, you may want to reconsider collecting your Social Security. What can you do if you've already collected? All right. If, you, if you've reached your full retirement age, but you're not yet 70, you can pause or suspend collecting your benefits and allow your benefits to continue to roll up until age 70. Just remember there's no roll up rate after the age of 70. So there's really no incentive to defer beyond that. Um, If you're trying to get your social security benefit to be a little bit higher, well, if you're earning higher than you were years ago, then that could erase two of your lower earning years. So sometimes that does work in your favor. If you just filed for Social Security benefits and you realize, oh, I made a mistake, you can cancel your filing within 12 months of your filing, but you have to pay it back. So if you're six months in and you decide you wanna cancel that, you can, but you've gotta return to Social Security that six months worth of earnings. And then that goes back in and it will continue to grow. And that basically makes it as though, it never happened. Okay, so you there are some things that you can do if you meet certain qualifications to make adjustments, um, and that's that's Social Security in a nutshell. So if you didn't think Social Security was complicated before, well, you probably do now, <laughs> and and that's okay. You know, Social Security is complicated. And it's a big decision with major implications for your retirement. So I'm actually going to include a couple of links down in the show notes, or you can go and learn a little bit more. My email is also down in the show notes. So if you have questions, please shoot me an email. I'd be glad to help or review your personal situation with you. Um, That's all for this week's show. I hope you learned something today about Social Security, and I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Retire Well podcast. Our goal here is always to bring you value and share insights to make your retirement everything you always hoped it would be. I would be forever grateful if you would leave us a review because that helps more people find the show. And please share it wherever you share things on social media. Thanks again. And I hope to see you back here next week. The preceding information does not constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions and information shared in this episode is for informational purposes only and should not be acted upon without the assistance of a qualified and licensed professional. Any guarantees mentioned are subject to the strength and claims paying ability of the insurance company, and any mention of rates or performance are subject to change without notice. Kelly Racicott is the agency owner of Hometown Retirement Specialists, LLC. If you have questions about the show, Kelly, or Hometown Retirement Specialists, please visit us on the web at yourhrsagent.com, and you can find our full disclosure in the show notes.